Well, good morning. Uh, thank you very much uh, for joining us this morning. Uh, we hope that uh, what we have to say will be something that will be of en encouragement to you. We are going to talk about the subject of hope. And I, I think a lot about hope these days and uh, for, for various reasons. You know, you, we've, you hear the stories about the, the, the tragedy and the war in Ukraine. And you've got, you've got an enemy... The, the, the Russians are just overwhelming in number and capacity, and yet the Ukrainian people are holding them off because, largely because their leader has been able to uh, create a sense of hope that they will survive this as a country. And you know, there's a lot of people that will, that will do things that are dangerous to their own health, and they will sacrifice their own well-being if they believe in that cause, and that cause is important enough to them. And so you see that in life, but you also see that in Christianity. Christianity is a cause that our hope should be strong enough that should cause us to live in such a way that we are submissive to the gospel of Jesus Christ and that there is, there's a reality in that. And so we're going to look at that. You know, if you think about if you think about hope, and I'm, I'm making a reference here to Hebrews chapter 6, where it describes hope as an anchor of the soul. And so what does an anchor do? Well, an, an anchor keeps us centered. It keeps us from, you know, you think about the, the way like a ship would face these waves and, and, and be, be cast in a direction and be pushed far from where it was, if it weren't for the anchor that holds it in place. And so our hope in Jesus should be that anchor. You know, you've probably known or been a person that um, will join every circus that comes through town. You've probably known people like that, that something comes through and it's bright and shiny and they want to jump in there and they want to do that because that just seems like... Uh, that, that seems to be the, the most fun, that's going to give them the, the biggest high for the moment, and they'll get, they'll get carried away in all these things. And there, Now, there's nothing wrong with pursuing different things in life. There's nothing wrong with that. But the point is, is that our hope in Jesus Christ should serve as an anchor that keeps us from being pushed astray. So if there's something that comes through town that would take us away from serving the Lord, then we should recognize that and go, that's not something that we should follow. That's not something that we should jump on board with. But we've probably all been guilty of jumping onto something, and then we get down the road pretty far and we realize, how do we get way over here? Well, it's because we weren't relying on that anchor and it wasn't keeping us in that place that it should, should do, uh, should, that it should be for us. Um, so let's, let's look at the way man looks at hope. So honestly, as we talked about at the outset, hope is a great motivator. And so if you, you start a new business, you have a hope, you have some expectation that that new endeavor is going to lead to a profit, that you can that you can provide some type of good or some type of service to people 
and you can make more money than it's going to cost you. And so that's a, that's a hope that you would have. That, that is a reasonable expectation. We know that that doesn't always work out. There are a lot of times that you, people go into business and they try things and they don't work out and they have to try other things. There's nothing wrong or embarrassing with that, but you, you get the idea of that everybody, when you start any kind of an enterprise, you do so with the attempt to, to make a profit, to do well in that, to make your life better because of that endeavor. Uh, people put money into the market for that same purpose because they are seeking a return. Do they always get a return? Well, no, sometimes that return is negative. Uh, but so you can, you can see that there are things that, that there's a whole array of expectations of, of from very high probability of, of, of profit to very low probability of profit. Uh, there's, a, there's a few, if you really want to be bold, jump out in the futures market and you can invest in those things and you can make a lot of money or you can lose a really a lot of money in a hurry and you, sometimes you get something that's called a margin call where your, your broker will call you up and say, you're going to have to bring some more money because your investment has lost more than you invested and so now you're, you're on the hook for, for even more than you thought you were going to be at the outset. And so, you know, we even know that there are people that buy lottery tickets. That's, a, that's an investment with a very small hope of a return. But people do it, and, the people, and some people win, and so it causes other people to uh, invest in this, you know, playful type way, I suppose. For some people, it's a gambling addiction. Uh, but the point is, is that you're trying to get a return. You have, a, you have some type of expectation of return. And we know that if you're building some kind of building, you're hoping to do that in the idea that that structure will ultimately either serve you or serve someone that you're building it for. And so these are, these are man's ideas and these are, these are man's efforts to get a, to, uh, that, are, that are largely driven by that motivator of hope. Well, hope in the Bible is a little bit different in the sense of, of a confident... It, the biblical use says that, that uh, hope is a confident expectation of what God has promised, and it's built upon your faith. You know, uh, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, for this reason... I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know who I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. In other words, I've made an investment that I've been persecuted, that I've gone through all these trials and tribulations, but it's not pointless. It's not worthless. At the end of my life, I have a reward, and God's not going to forget what I have done in His cause. And He is going to save me due to, the, due to the blood of Jesus Christ. And so it's an investment in something that I know will yield a return. You know, it would be a terrible thing to commit yourself to something, to anything in this world that you hoped, that you expected that was going to yield you a return and yet it didn't. 
Your whole life was dedicated to that. You know, I think about the guys who flew the planes into the, the towers and that they, they, they did that with the expectation that they were going to receive this great reward from the Prophet Muhammad and from that religion and that that would bring them these great pleasures. But we know that those things weren't true and they're not true and those, those men are burning in the... In, they're, they're burning in, the, in the, the lake, well, not the lake of fire, but in hell because of that. They invested their, their whole life and they sacrificed their life for a cause that wasn't right. But Paul said, we're not like that. When we invest in the Lord Jesus Christ, we know, we can have full confidence that he'll not forget about that. That we'll be rewarded for those things. Those things will have fruit, and we can, that can be our hope. So there's, it's interesting, I never really had looked at this before, but the two words, faith and hope. And I had never really thought about there being a difference in those two. You know, I've always thought that, well, my faith kind of is my hope, and my hope kind of is my faith. But in Scripture... You look at, uh, you remember what Paul said when he was writing the, to the Corinthians? Um, he, he was addressing this matter of spiritual gifts and they were really caught up and hung up on who could prophesy, who could speak in tongues, and that was a big deal to them. It was kind of a status symbol. And he tried to dial that back a little bit and say, yeah, these things are important. They're all to be done for edifying, and yeah, they have their place, but then he gets into chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and he describes love, or what the old King James uses as charity. And at the end of that chapter, here's the verse he concludes with. So this is kind of a summary of Christian faith. He says, so now faith, hope, and love abide these, th these three but the greatest of these is love. And you know, you, we always focus on love in this chapter. And of course you would because that's the, that's the topic. But you know the other two that are listed here? Faith and hope. Why separately? That, seems, that's, that almost seems odd to me that they would be, that they would be uh, thought of as differently. Well, if you look in Hebrews chapter 11 in verse number 1, he says, faith is the assurance of things that are hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's the assurance of what we hope for. It's the <coughs> conviction of things not seen. Faith is like a guarantee. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a stamp of authenticity. That, you know, like if you were to go in and buy some sports memorabilia, you would want some type of evidence to know that that signature right there was indeed Babe Ruth or whoever you choose to, to invest in. So you, you would want to know that you were buying an authentic, genuine thing. That's what faith is. Faith gives us the authenticity of that thing that we hope for. And hope is forward. It's, it's future-centered. So I think of it this way. Here, looking, using another passage there in Hebrews chapter 6, uh, he says, 
correction. That's in chapter 11. He says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whosoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, faith, and that he rewards those that diligently seek him. That requires both faith and a hope of something in the future. So my faith is a foundation for my hope. Without faith, I can have no hope. If I don't believe that Jesus, if I don't believe that God exists, I can't believe that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So I have to have both. Faith in Him and faith in that He will reward me and a hope that indeed that will apply to me when that time comes. So we've all seen this, or many of us have seen this passage in Romans chapter 15. It says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So it teaches us that as we go back and we look at Old Testament scriptures, we will look at that and we will realize that when those people were obedient, they were blessed. And when they were disobedient, they were cursed. And that we will look at that and realize that that applies to us. And so we can learn from, from reading about their stories, about the stories of great... And you can look in Hebrews chapter 11, it's story after story a people that through faith were pleasing to God and God delivered them because of their faith, because their belief in Him. And so we have this assurance, this hope, because we can look at those stories and we can see evidence of when it worked. But I have never thought about this, but I want us to put this in, in context. You know, usually when this passage is used... It's taken out and it's used separate from the context. And there's nothing wrong with that because it holds to be true. We've just done that. But I want you to think about what, what he was talking about. In Romans chapter 14, he, talks, he starts out the cha chapter and he talks about not judging those that are weak in faith, but rather to receive them. In the, in the middle, in the latter part of the chapter, he talks about not being a stumbling block to those that are weak in the faith. In the first part of this chapter, he tells them to bear each other's burden. So you can kind of see that he's ramping up the expectation with each step. So he starts with receive a weaker brother, don't put a stumbling block, and then bear the other's burden. And then in verse number two, he, two here, he says, each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. In other words, there's a, there's a sacrificing that, that is expected. And so what Paul, it's almost like he says, okay, I know that this is hard to take. That it seems that these expectations are pretty high. But I want you to remember that those people who, all those things that you read about of old, when those people were obedient, 
it turned out well for them. And it will turn out well for you if you'll follow him. And so that's, that's the hope that he's referring to in the context that he's using it in this passage. And so um, the question we might have this morning is how can we have that kind of confident expectation? How do we walk around day and day and day out and live in the life that we live in and have confidence and not get, not get chasing every rabbit that comes down the trail, but rather to, to keep our anchor to where it's on Jesus Christ? How do we do that? Well, there's a passage in Hebrews 6 that, uh, that should help us with this. And it starts out here in verse 17, and he says, So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. Now, this is in reference to Abraham. And if you remember in, Abraham, in, in Genesis chapter 12, God comes to Abraham and he makes him a promise. And he says, I'm going to make a great nation of you. And in you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. But then we remember that some chapters later, in Genesis chapter 22, he decides, God decides he's going to try Abraham's faith. And so he says, Abraham, I want you to take this son I gave you that I promised, and I told you it was going to be heir of all these, these, this nation, and through him all the peoples of the earth would be blessed. Why don't you take him up on his mountain and sacrifice him? Kill him. Abraham, as you know the story, Abraham did that. And because he did that, because he did that, God said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and of the sands of the seashore. A blessing that he gave Abraham because of Abraham's belief. And so God, is what he's saying is these two unchangeable things, his promise and the oath he swore, they're unchangeable because God can't lie as it says here. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement. So that allusion to, remember that Hebrews was written specifically to Hebrew Christians, people who knew the old law. And so if you use a, a phrase like fled for refuge, you know what a Jew would have thought? He would have thought about those cities that were set up as cities of refuge that someone could go to. So if you, had a, if you had a situation where someone had accidentally killed another person and their heirs, and their, uh, their heirs were after them to try to kill them, they could flee to those cities and those cities would be an area of refuge for their transgression. That's what, that's what the gospel is for us. You have erred. You have sinned. But there is a place of refuge, a place that you can get away from that sin, and that is in Jesus Christ. 
And so he says that we might, uh, we, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It's an anchor. It keeps us from being tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine that would come along. So I want to talk to you a minute about hopelessness, the opposite of hope. Now I hope we made some kind of point about hope in Jesus Christ being worth it. But I want to talk about hopelessness for a minute because I think most of us have either been in situations or known people that have been in situations that those situations were pretty hopeless. That they just, you just look at the situation and you just think, there's no good way out. This is bad and it's not going to get any better. We've probably all seen that. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I've shared this before, but my brother is going through a situation where his health is, is such that he's dealing with some congestive heart failure. He's dealing with type diabetes, uh, type 1 diabetes that is, he's to the point where it's, he would be referred to as a brittle diabetic, which means super sensitive. And so his blood sugar is up and down a lot. And, and much of his, well, all of his day is about one thing, surviving to get to the next day. Now that, that's, and, and we hope that in time that will get better and he'll get stronger. He's out of the hospital about a month, a month and a half or so. We hope that that will improve. We hope that ultimately he will gain hope. But I will tell you that in talking to him over the last few months, he's had very little hope. And as I looked at that and, and just thought a lot about him, I began to realize that there was really only one difference between he and I time. There's going to be a point that all of us are in a situation, maybe not exactly like that one, but one that's hopeless in terms of our own health. Listen, there are about 7 billion people on this earth today. There were, if you just look on the internet, and since it's on the internet, it's got to be true, uh, there were, there's been about 107 billion people that have lived. That means a hundred billion of them are still with us. If you were born before the year 1900, you're not hearing the sound of my voice because the oldest person is, again, I look on the internet and see what's out there and says about 119 is the oldest person. So, you know, my grandmother was born in 1901 and she passed away some 20 years ago or so. She lived a good long life. But the reality is, is that you're not going to live forever. And so there's a point in this life that ultimately it is hopeless. It is without any kind of way out other than through Jesus and other through salvation. You know, if you think about uh, people that acquire wealth, and there's lots of great people that acquire wealth and use that to the benefit of of their neighbors and mankind, and, and, and that's, that's wonderful that, that that goes on. But there's a reality is at some point as you pass, you're going to have to give that wealth to other people and hope that they would use it in the same ways that you would have chosen to use it. And you can't really be sure. You can only hope that that's true. 
So wealth is, uh, you know, the old story of you can't take it with you. It's really true. Uh, how about your health? Well, all of us are well enough this morning to, to be here and to participate. But the reality is, is just like I was telling the story with my brothers, there's a, there's a point out there that all of us get to that point that our health will fail. Um, how about fame? How long does that last? Usually pretty fleeting, even if we achieve it. What about security? You know, it used to be a time where people felt pretty secure in the world. Hey, I've got, I've got my family. We're over here in America where things are relatively peaceful. And, and, and I really don't, I'm not worried about what might happen. And now we find ourselves in a world that's got some war in it. And we hope that that doesn't escalate into something that leads into more than it is now. But we can't know. And even if this one is resolved, there may be one that's 10 or 20 years down the road that's, that's worse and leads to, you know, back to a situation where we would call it a world war. And I hope the Lord prevents those things from happening, and I hope that cooler heads prevail, and um, we're fortunate in that way. But again, the reality is, is that your chances ultimately of your hope being fulfilled in this world, in this life, not good. It's hopeless. It's hopeless. There's only one hope, and that is Christianity. You know, Paul was writing to... to in, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and he was addressing this issue of resurrection because there was a group called the Sadducees that did not believe in the resurrection of the dead and so um, he's addressing them here and he says for if the dead do not rise then Christ is not risen and if Christ is not risen your faith is futile you're wasting your time you are still in your sins. Then all those who have fallen asleep in Christ have per perished. And then it's almost like he backs up and he says, well, when you think about it, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiful, or as the King James refers to as most miserable. If this is it, it's not going to last. And so while we should, we should take advantage of the gifts that God has given us, there is, there is a limit to this life and what it will provide. And so I, I, hope that our, our, I hope that our hope is in something that's beyond this. Refers to hope as an anchor of the soul. He uses this passage in Romans 15 again. And so, remember that we, we talked about that passage and he said that, uh, you know, those things were written aforetime for your comfort and learning and all that. And then in, in verse 13, he says, may the, hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Now, most of what I've said today doesn't sound too cheery. I mean, if you look at it just from a worldly view... It doesn't look very good. But he says that if you, if you put your joy in the right place, if you put your hope in the right place, you should be filled with all joy and all peace as you trust 
in Him so that you may overflow with, with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a peace and a joy that Christians can have that other people of the world cannot have because we know that we have a Savior that came and He died for our sins. I think about uh, something that Dusty brought up some time ago. Is he talked about um, your future self looking back and talking to your present self. And what would he say? And I think about that on Judgment Day. Is what, will the, what will Judgment Day Matt Clark say to... What would he say to the Matt Clark of today? What advice would he give me? And he would say, don't count on this life. It's not going to last. You may have it pretty good right now, but it's not going to last. Put your faith in the Lord. Do what He asks you to do. Try to commit yourself to living the way He would have you to live, and you'll be richly blessed. And you can say with Paul that you'll not be ashamed because you put your, your faith in the right place. This morning, uh, we're going to offer a song of invitation. If the church can assist you in any way, if you need assistance either with baptism or with prayers of the church, then we would ask you to come forward as we stand together and sing the song that's selected.